inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining. There are days in which we have to give a presentation, finish an article we are writing, or just finishing something important. And at those moments, it can be that you hear an inner voice saying, you are not good. Have you ever experienced that? Today, we have an expert who is going to uh, talk about these very important topics. Ronnie Grandel is a clinical psychologist, coach, a non-fiction author who specializes in compassion-focused therapy. His expertise is helping people end the struggle with stress and burnout, anxiety, shame, or self-criticism. He has also worked extensively with leaders, athletes, and artists with a focus on enhancing people's performance and enjoying life while doing so. Ronnie has written two books on these topics, both in Finnish, which translated would be self-compassion and free yourself from self-criticism. Hello, Ronnie. Hi there, Oscar. Welcome. I'm happy to talk with you, Ronnie. Something I didn't mention in this bio is that you're also a great speaker, and that's how I found you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> well, last year, uh, we worked together in TEDx Octanime when you had a TEDx talk there, and I had the pleasure to to see your talk uh, um, just a few meters from there. And I also know that that was your second TEDx talk. So could you tell us a bit of this experience, your TEDx talks? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And thank, thank you for the, for the lovely feedback. I'm glad to hear that you liked it. Uh, and, uh, and it was a pleasure, pleasure working with you as well. Uh, I think um, your warm coaching presence really came through backstage. So thank you for that. And, um, and yeah, moving on to the, to the TEDx experiences. Yeah, I've, I've given two, two TEDx speeches at this point. Uh, one was in 2015 in, in uh, TEDx Turku. Uh, where I gave a talk on on self compassion, a broad introduction to the to the topic of what it means to to be to treat yourself like you would treat a good friend, especially during hard times. And um, yeah, that was a really really cool experience because, um, of course, most of my work is one to one or or working with with small groups. So. Uh, I tend to be more in the role of a facilitator and trainer, um, so I'm not that familiar with the uh, with the craft of um, of keynote speaking, which uh, TEDx certainly is. So, um, so giving that first TEDx talk, it was really, really, it was challenging in a good way. It pushed me into a zone of working that that I'm not that familiar with, and um, and uh, and I think the may maybe the main thing that that I kind of took, took with me from that first talk was the uh, the idea of how challenging it is to put your idea into an 18-minute format. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of thinking, a lot of thinking. And and uh, and I stum- stumbled upon a, a quote on that. It was a, It's a French philosopher. His name is, uh, or was, uh, Blaise Pascal. And he said, uh, if I had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, and I thought, yeah, that's that's pretty, that's right on. You know, the the shorter time you have to bring forth your idea, the more the more thinking it takes in advance. And then the second the second talk, uh, I was delighted to be invited to to TEDx Altanemi to speak on self criticism and. Um, yeah, it was different in the sense that when you've done it once, it's not um, you're not as nervous anymore because you kind of know what it's like and what's coming up, and uh, and I kind of had a ma- map in my head for how to how to prepare for it and how to to get going. So it was a lot easier doing it a second time. Um, yeah, I think those are some maybe some key first first thoughts that's come to mind. <laughs> yeah, that was a really great job. What you did. And yeah, it's true. It's that's good. It's very interesting. No? So how putting things in a in a short format, no? even though TEDx can be up to eighteen minutes, so more than ten, something like that. And it's it's not easy to to put exact, especially like a specialist like you that know a lot about one one very specific topic. Could say you could say oof, so many things. And how to put this in in a in a compact way that is uh, understandable for the masses is a is a is a great achievement. What you all do, mm. and related to your second TEDx talk, the the topic was about self criticism. If you could now define what is that? Uh, yeah, abso- absolutely. Um... Uh, self-criticism, it can be defined as an aggressive and hostile and condemning way of relating to oneself. Uh, it's relating to ourself in a way that pushes us down instead of pushing us forward. Um, and so the inner experience might sound, you know, something like this. I think you alluded greatly to it in the in your introduction, Oscar. But it's, it's kind of like this, like, ah, it's no point in trying. I suck. I'm no good. Mm. And um, And especially the emotional tone. Uh, inside our head is important because, um, as we know from from uh, basic communication theory, that oftentimes it's the tone of our voice and our body language that's more important than the actual words that are being spoken. Uh, if if we're if we're in a dialogue with another person, and and the interesting thing is that it's the same thing applies in our inner world. So just to try out a couple of like tonalities, if I ask myself. Hmm, why did I do that? Or if I ask myself, I'm going to go a bit farther away from the mic now. <laughs> why did I do that? Mm. <laughs> sorry, sorry if it if it clipped. No. Uh, it, you know, it, that drastically changes our inner experience. And it's uh, in fact it's been seen in, in brain scans that the this kind of a hostile inner environment, it it lights up our stress and threat areas in the brain and uh, the same areas that light up when we face a dangerous threat like a lion or or if uh, like a big person is approaching us really aggressively. So, you know, we, we get into this really threat-focused state and and uh, and it's kind of to actually think that when we're criticizing ourselves, our brains are going into that same state. It's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's pretty dramatic. And, uh, and it's, it's, of course, detrimental to the, to the health of an individual and it can have a lot of, negative side effects and we can talk a bit about the kind of typical side effects it brings about for speakers too sure, sure. Uh, or, or communicators is, sure and um, so you said that the the voices um, one day I can somehow criticize myself or give some feedback myself in a 
a softer, calmer voice, inner voice. And another day, I will do it loud. Really, that's that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the critic critical voice. It can be loud, like ah, or it could be. Um, there can be contempt in the voice, mm. like I despise you. You know, that's kind of a. Yeah. Uh, but but it, it's hostile. It's aggressive somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty interesting. Huh? Um, and sure, if you could tell us um, how how this affects, um, as you start saying, uh, performers, speakers. Um. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a really really important question. Um, I think the first thing to to recognize is just to make a distinction that uh, when we're talking about self criticism now, I'm not saying that we should um, uh, that we shouldn't like uh, give ourselves constructive feedback and give ourselves self-corrective messages, you know, for instance, look at, look at our sp speaking performance and think about, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what do I change next time? Uh, because that's highly useful. So mm -hmm. it's just this, uh, it's when the inner self-criticism turns into that kind of a harsh tone that we were just referring to. That's when it gets nasty. Um, and, um, and the first point where it typically can get in the way for a speaker or a, or a performer. I work, work a lot with singers, for instance, and um, a lot of the time the self-criticism can turn you away from even applying for a gig. Mm. So, the, so the inner critical voice might say, oh, come on, don't try that. It won't work. You suck. <laughs> Forget about it, man. And, and so it might even close us down from even beginning. Yeah, I've been trying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the first, first like crucial way that self-criticism can stop us. And um, another typical way is uh, that it impacts us as uh, communicators, performers. It's uh, it's in the preparation stage. Um, I've actually worked with several speakers and singers who don't prepare in advance mm. because the inner inner voice keeps saying that whenever whenever they go to practice, the inner voice says it's got to be perfect right away. If you're if you don't do it perfectly right away, it proves that you're no good. And and of course, when you set out to compose a speech or practice a song, it's not going to be perfect. Sure, sure. So 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 the unfortunate consequence of that is, if it has to be perfect right away, um, it can feel like such a big task that people avoid practicing. But that sounds like a different inner voice. It's not uh, criticizing you, but um, I know keeping your attention out or try to line you. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, yeah. You, you picked up an important point there. Uh, it's uh, typically it's it can start with that demanding critical voice, like you got to do this perfectly. Mm. Um, but then, typically, that provokes anxiety, mm -hmm. and the anxiety might say, "Oh, you know, I uh, I'll do. I don't want to practice right now. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll I need to surf the internet. I need to clean the house, and mm -hmm. you know, whatever." <laughs> sure. So it it pulls us away from it. So, so that's um, self-criticism. It very often it's linked to feeling anxious too. So that's that's a way it can kind of pull you away from practicing. Yeah. Or, or for or for someone else, it can end up you know pushing the performer to you know over prepare, like you know preparing oh. day and night and not sleeping enough, not oh, meeting yeah. friends and so on. Mm. And that that you know it's going to wear a person down. Exactly. 
Mm-hmm. You mentioned anxiety, that they are connected. Uh, but which one triggers which one? Or who, uh, what triggers uh, or ignites uh, self-criticism? Yeah, that's, um, it varies for the individual. Mm. Uh, because some people, when they feel anxious, they get, you know, some people, I just worked with a speaker actually last week who was, she's really, she's a superior, but she, she gives a lot of speeches at work and, and she gets really anxious before, before the talk, before she has to give a good talk. And, um, uh, and whenever she gets really anxious, she gets really harsh on herself. Like, come on, suck it up. You wuss. That, that's kind of a, uh, an inner critical tone. And, um, so for her, it's actually the other side around. She gets anxious first and then she starts criticizing herself for being anxious. Um, but for a lot of people, especially if you have high demands on yourself, you might be prone to demanding perfection from yourself in, in the preparation stage. And, and that can set you up to feeling really anxious beforehand instead of just, you know, putting your time in and prepare. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the personality. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, see, I see. Yeah. And, and then a, 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 a third way when the self-criticism typically shows up, it's, um, it might be, you know, right before or during the event itself. Yeah. And, and that can cause a lot of nervousness and tension and you know, sometimes even blackouts on stage. Mm. And, um, I just worked with a with a singer. I think it's maybe maybe a year ago, who had this happen to her. She was auditioning for a theater show and and felt she had a, a good shot at getting the gig. Um, but then the woman before her, she sang really beautifully, and my client started to notice a lot of tension inside. Like, oh no, I'm not that good. In fact, I suck compared to her. I should just go home. Oh, and uh, and then a couple of minutes later, it was her turn. To her turn to go on stage and with this kind of an inner critical voice going on, it's unfortunately ended, ended with her having a blackout on stage. Ouch. Yeah. So, so that's the kind of nasty stuff it can, it can do as well. And we, we worked it out. We worked it out now and she's gotten a couple of parts since. So because she's a amazing singer in persona. Um, but that's just, that's just how self-criticism can work in our minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that fact of uh, com- comparing to others can be not something that ignites uh, self-criticism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how can we, I don't know if, what, what would be the best word, like mitigate or beat self-criticism? Mm, there, there are a lot of ways of doing that. Because um, I think that the first step is oftentimes is just to, this is going to sound paradoxical, but it, it it's a good idea to, to try to see it from the perspective that the self-criticism maybe is trying to help, for instance, by keeping you away from things you aren't perfect at yet so you don't fail, uh, or, by, or by constantly like pushing you to practice and work. Um, but at the same time, it isn't helping. So it's kind of like an angry sports coach that you know really wants you to succeed, but then it just ends up in yelling and screaming at you and, and it only weighs you down. So... So the, um, I think the first step is really to learn to recognize your self-criticism. Uh, and this is important because you can't really change something that you aren't aware of. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for many of us, the self-criticism, it's, it can be so familiar that it kind of, it kind of uh, flies under the radar. 
so so recognizing that that's crucial. It might and it might show up as a tone of tone of voice as we talked in the beginning, or or it might be like the same kind of thoughts that keep showing up all over and over again, like you're no good, you can't do this, don't even try. It's kind of like an old CD that's popped into your mind and it <laughs> just starts playing the same thing over and over again. So, so that's, that's a really important thing, just trying to recognize it somehow. And, um, and once you've recognized it, then you can start working with it and you can try to take a step back from it. Uh, kind of like if you imagine that your self-criticism is a tornado, so instead of being swept up in that tornado, you could take a step back from it and you know, kind of watch it from a distance. Mm-hmm. And um, one way of doing that is, is uh, and this is going to sound, sound kind of funny, but you could try giving your self-criticism a name. So, and I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a client, a client I work with recently who decided to call her inner critic the bulldog. And, <laughs> and whenever the self-criticism got going, she'd, she'd say inside her mind like, oh, it's just my inner bulldog again. And then just kind of chuck ch- chuck a little bit and keep doing what she was doing. So so naming it is one way to to kind of get some distance. And um, I, I got a couple of more if you want me to to continue. Yes, please. Okay, yeah, we're on a roll here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so another thing is you could try to stand tall and and kind of assertively assertively say no to the self-criticism kind of like you were saying you know i'm not taking that in i'm not listening to this crap because um many of many of us would never talk to others in that harsh way that we talk to ourselves Mm -hmm. um and if we did it might be that we wouldn't have any friends (laughs) so so that's a that's a, a really important point so I think it was last week. It might have been a couple, it might have been a, a week or two ago. But I, I asked the client uh, what she would do if someone talked to her child in the same manner that her inner critic was harassing her. And and my client said that, you know, I defend my kid with a vengeance, of course, I, I protect them. And uh, so we thought about this, and then I just suggested to her that, you know, it might be a good idea for you to to defend yourself in the same manner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and as simple as that sounds, there are actual actually a lot of studies that indicate that actively standing up, practicing standing up to your self-criticism for just two weeks can significantly lower a sense of depression and shame. So it's, while it might sound a bit kind of, might be a bit corny, but it, it's still, it's worth trying out. So just asking yourself that question, if someone was saying that to a loved one, how would I respond? What would I say to that? How would I defend my loved one? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. Uh, that uh, it's good to to make it at the right time. So it's good to to remember this. What what you are what you are saying. So you mentioned, for instance, uh, the first step is uh, recognize that you have this self criticism because I guess some people don't are not aware of that. No, as you said. The, yeah. Yeah. To step back to be the the next steps to to keep some distance. Yeah, that's uh, to name it. No, that's related also to that, right? Uh, to put in a name, exactly. And then you say about not listening, um, and finally uh, to 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 stand up to to face it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
to stand up and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not listening to this. It's, this is not helping me. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a, there's a really interesting idea. It's a, it's a decision make, decision making uh, researcher called uh, Thomas uh, Kaida, I think, um, who had a really great phrase. He's actually written a book on this. I, I think it's, I think it's called uh, "Don't believe everything you think." And he and he's a decision maker researcher, so he he points out in the book that uh, most of the time when we're making when we're thinking something, uh, a lot of it is it's it's utter nonsense, really. <laughs> it's it's um, you know we make a lot of faulty uh, thinking errors all the time. So so it might be a good idea to kind of keep that in mind when the when the inner critic starts going on like. Ah oh, man, it's that same old CD showing up again, and and, and you can even say to the inner critic, like, you know, uh, thank for the point, but I'm gonna do what I gotta do anyway. Mm. So if you're a singer or you're an artist or a speaker, when inner critic says, "Nah, don't do that, it won't work," and you can just say, "Thanks for the feedback," and I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, we make a um, lot of inner noise, no? That is, uh, thoughts that are there don't make sense sometimes, and and yeah, it's it's a matter of ignoring them. Yeah, yeah. And when you stand back a bit, it's and because you're in the middle of the tornado, it's kind of hard to say, "Nah, I'm not listening to this," because you're swept up in it. But if you can yeah, get a okay. step back, then then that mm. becomes possible. And there's some. Um, there's this really interesting, in a sense, it's a sad example, but it's also an example of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a story of Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because she she was performing in Central Park in New York, I think it was in 1967. And uh, and she happened to forget a couple of words to a song. Uh-huh. She had a sh- short black- blackout in one song and... And and she felt that this was, um, afterwards she felt this was so devastating to her that she didn't perform live for 27 years after that mistake. Really? Yeah. And this is one of the, she's one of the best-selling female singers ever. Sure. And highly, highly appreciated for her, for her talent. And And she's openly said in interviews afterwards that she, that she has this hostile inner tone that she only remembers the negatives, that she only remembers things that go wrong. And, and she, she said, you know, it felt so horrible that I made that mistake. I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. I felt, she felt that she was so bad. And, um, and the sad part is I, I actually looked up a review of her gig, mm-hmm. uh, that gig that she did in, I think it was 1967. And, and for instance, in the New York Times, she actually got a splendid review. Uh-huh. Like it, it was a great gig. The her her forgetting the words, it was only mentioned in one sentence. Like hmm. you know, you know, Streisand forgot a couple of lyrics in a song, but but the rest of the whole page was like Streisand's awesome. Uh, but that didn't matter to her self criticism though, which clearly was going on in her mind and saying, you know, you're a failure. You should never perform again. So so I think I think this is really important. When you're performing, when you're putting yourself out there, you're probably going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> for instance, I, 
and I'm a, I'm a singer as well. I, I, I'm a singer as well. And I don't sing that much nowadays anymore, but I used used to perform a lot. And, um, I pretty much, I don't remember a gig ever when I wouldn't have done some mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's, um, like in a two, three hour gig, it's, <laughs> well, I get, I, somebody probably can do it, but I, I've never been able to do that. And, um, uh, and, and here's the kicker that, uh, as performers, uh, or speakers, uh, entertainers, it's the ability to, to look at your performance and not get stuck in everything that went wrong. That's a really crucial skill. So also being able to look at, okay, I gave this speech or I, I played that gig and, uh, and then asking yourself, okay, what worked? What went well? And then also asking, um, what didn't go so well and what can I learn from it and how can I use that the next time I'm performing? Those are the kind of key questions to ask uh, because it will keep you in a, in a kind of a growth mindset, like constantly trying to learn and get better versus just scanning for your mistakes and uh, which will get the self-criticism going and beating yourself up. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead, Oscar. That's a, that's a great uh, uh, lesson you are, you're saying. Um, mentioned in the, the story of uh, Barbara Streisand, that it's quite impressive that she had an amazing review, and I'm sure that the performance was great. But uh, she was um, she stopped singing just because... Uh, losing a couple of lines, so it's it's pretty impressive that uh, professionals with such a level can still have this self criticism. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's it's astonishing, really. And um, yeah, it's yeah, and, so, mm-hmm. yeah. I was, and just to just to end, uh, yeah. Thank thanks for for feeding that back because there's a there's a story of hope in Barbara's story as well because mm-hmm. um, she has gotten back on stage. Mm-hmm. And so she, she, she found a way to deal with the self-criticism and the performance anxiety. And now she's, she's back on stage and, um, to the, to the joy of everybody who enjoys listening to her and hopefully she enjoys it herself as well. And, and and so the, it's really important. Even if you get stuck in self-criticism, you can find your way out as well. Yes. That's, that's the lesson. Find, Find your, your way. Yeah. And also thanks for sharing your, your also, your personal story as a singer. (laughs) Oh yeah, <laughs> no problem. I've I've had many many moments of self criticism there. So I've that's that's been my personal like uh, uh, labor laboratory for uh-huh. <laughs> dealing with self criticism. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Ronnie, could you uh, now share with us what is your favorite quotation? Uh, yeah, I got a couple, but but the um, the one I always tend to come back to it's um, it's by Leo Buscaglia, who was. Uh, professor of special education in California. And he once said that, um, forgive yourself and be good to yourself for without you at your best, the rest of us are missing out on many wonderful things. Mm -hmm. And what that means to you? I think it means that, um, that it's really important to, to try to be kind to, to others, but it's also very impo- important to be kind to ourselves because when we're kind to ourselves and forgiving, uh, and, and constructive as in giving constructive feedback to ourselves, um, 
then we're going to be more relaxed. And when we're more relaxed, then we can also be there for other people and we can give the best parts of ourselves compared to being stuck in a bubble of self-criticism, which is really tends to make us tense and self-focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great lesson. Could you now uh, recommend us one book that has been for you particularly inspiring or influential? Yeah, there. can I mention two? Yes, please. Do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Thanks for the, uh, for the possibility. Um, one book I highly recommend, it's, a, it's a, a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's a powerful book which uh, essentially talks about the difference between uh, a fixed and a growth mindset where the fixed mindset basically means that um, if there's something that I'm not able to do right away, it means I don't have the talent for it and I'm never going to be good at it. Whereas a growth mindset again uh, says that if I'm not good at something yet, it it means I haven't, uh, I haven't found the strategies, I haven't mm. practiced enough, <clears throat> uh, but it's something I can learn. Exactly. And, and I think that's... Um, and she, of course, she's a she's a scientist, and she's studied the the impact for people, uh, like what kind of life paths people take if they have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. So, um, long story short, growth mindset wins if you want to be happy, mm. <laughs> and 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 if you want to be good at what you're doing. So, so I think that's a that's a really good book for for anybody who wants to to really work on their craft. So. Uh, and, uh, and, and feel good while doing it. Um, and the other, the other book, uh, and this is really when I thought about your, your blog in terms of, uh, or, uh, sorry about your podcast in terms of, um, communication and, and public speaking. Um, I haven't, I haven't studied that topic a lot. I read a couple of books on it and a book that really stands out for me personally was, um, presenting to win by Jerry Weissman. Uh huh. Uh, it's a really good book that talks about finding your key points and finding your key message and just really working out that story. What it is, what, what, is, what is it that you're trying to say and why is it something and how is it going to be beneficial for the audience? And basically says if you focus on those things, then the, you know, the, the talk kind of falls into place on its own. And, um, yeah, so I, I thought that was a great book. So I'm ha happy to recommend that forward. All right. B they both, both sound, sound great books. Now, um, Ronnie, could you finally tell us an exercise, something practical that we could do regularly, a routine to shine? Yeah. Yeah. There, oh, that's a great question. And, um, there are a lot of tools in, you know, I'm a psychologist, so there are a lot of tools in the toolbox, but, um, I'd say there's, there's one, one thing that comes to mind above all else. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's called, um, it's called the friendliness exercise or, uh, some, a lot of time it's called loving kindness meditation as well. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and it's a, it's a tool that's been shown to have a, like a great impact on, uh, like lower, lowering anxiety, self-criticism and depression, and also increasing mental well-being. And it's, uh, it's something I actually do on a, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, and so basically in the exercise, you, you start out by picturing a person 
that you have an easy time liking. So it could be your child, it can be your spouse, it can be your grandmother, but just somebody that you have a have a liking for. And then you then you wish that person just in your own mind, just just wish wish well to that person. Like, I hope you'll have a good day. I hope you'll be happy. I hope you I hope you'll be healthy. I hope you'll have peace of mind. And uh, and just do that for half a minute, half a minute to a minute. And then after that, you pick another person. And uh, I'd recommend that you pick yourself. Oh. <laughs> and then you do the same thing. So basically, I, I would say to myself, uh, uh, may you be happy, Ronnie. May you be healthy. May you have a great day. And may you have peace of mind today. And it's so that's just turning friendliness and warmth towards yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then after that, this is a short word, short, short version of the exercise. There are longer versions, but then you can also pick a bigger group, like uh, you know your your coworkers, or maybe if you're playing football, pick your football team, or why not the entire world if you if you feel extra benevolent today, and and then you just go, uh, may we all be happy and healthy. May we all have peace of mind today. And, and you wish the entire group well. And um, it's a really interesting exercise. When you do that, for a lot of people, you know, you start feeling, feeling warmth right away. It, it's kind of like it warms up the inner environment. And, and you feel more compassionate and friendly towards others and you feel more compassionate and friendly towards yourself. And, and, it's, um, and this is actually something I use every time before I go, uh, before I facilitate a group or before mm-hmm. I, I give a speech or before I, I do a training. Mm-hmm. Like a warm up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, so I, I'll, I'll think about someone I love and wish them well, I wish myself well, and then I focus on the group that I'm speaking to or mm-hmm. that I'm facil- facil- facilitating or training. And, uh, and I wish them all this well, all this great energy. And, um, and it's a powerful practice because it uh, it means that you're going to be warm and friendly when you start, of course. Uh, but it also gets your focus out of yourself and it gets you to focus on the people that you want to serve with whatever it is that you have to say. So it's um, I found it to be a really powerful practice before before working with it in any kind of group setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was, again, the name of the exercise? Uh, friendliness exercise, or if you put it into YouTube, if you write loving kindness meditation, you'll find probably hundreds of recordings of it <laughs> in different lengths. Okay. Excellent. Oh, thanks a lot, Ronnie, for this very interesting uh, interview. We never touched this topic about self-criticism and how can, um, how can really make a, a big problem in, in, in everybody, especially speaker performance and your grade is how we can uh, how beat it, no? And <laughs> put it at one side, no? <laughs> Step back yeah. and yeah, do our lives better. So finally, could you tell us how we can uh, get more about you? Uh, how can we follow you? See your website if you have. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, Oscar. There's um, most of my work at this point is in Finnish. So mm-hmm. uh, in Finnish, you can find me at um, at the website itsemyotatunto.com. And uh, I have an English site that's 
that I'm building right now, and that's um, uh, www.compassionmind.com. I'll probably put up a put up a, a, a YouTube clip for for a um, a short version of loving kindness meditation there soon. Uh-huh. So that's that's one place where you can find the exercise too. Fantastic. Again, thanks a lot, Ronnie, and all the best. Yeah, and thank you, Oscar, for inviting me. It was a pleasure. A pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time, 